This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome. Everyone back to the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I am recording from my nephew's room in Bishop, California. Oh, nice. Uh, Well, I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. (laughs) And uh, I'm in my studio where David normally is, but he's not today. I'm, For many reasons. Because I'm one, I'm ill, uh, mm. but we're still bringing you the show. We brought you a show on Christmas, for God's sakes. And now we're doing one after the first, the last, the first of the last three bowl games for the Pac 12. And uh, yeah, I tested positive for COVID when I came back from uh, my Christmas break. So I'm here in isolation by myself in the studio. Not feeling wonderful, but we got to bring you the show. The show must go on, is what they say, David. So we are the here. The show must go on. So together, even in sickness, we make the podcast of champions talking all things Pac-12 football, at least for two more games, maybe three. And then we know, then who knows after that. But uh, yeah, we got three games, three days in a row of Pac-12 football. And uh, yesterday we got a morning game. So it started like 11 a.m. So if you're going to be on the couch, like just sort of just drinking tea and eating soup, having Pac-12 football on TV does help. It helped. It was therapeutic, I think, David. Uh, I can't see any reason why Oregon State versus Notre Dame was therapeutic in any way, except for the fact that you picked it one way and I picked it the other way. Yes. And that would be the only thing that you would have positive feelings about that. Cheers. Yeah, that was was good. Uh, If you have questions or comments, we have a few questions to get to. I told David I'm not really reading that well on the screen right now, so he might have to read them. We got a few. Podcast at gmail.com. You can call or text us at 424-532-0678. You can tweet us at Pac12Podcast and... If you have that Apple podcasting app on your iPhone, your iPad, whatever, please leave us a five-star review and, uh, you know, say something funny. We would love to read it. If you leave us five stars, we'll read almost whatever you say 
on there and uh, follow us over there. And if you're watching us live on our YouTube channel, uh, we are streaming this live. I don't know why you want to see me. My David said, you have sick eyes. I'm like, thanks. But yeah, you want to follow us on our sick eyes here on the YouTube channel. Thank you for watching the stream and please hit the uh, like button over there. Like and subscribe. We appreciate that very much. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting a poll in the chat right now. Does Ryan have sick eyes? Thanks. Uh, if you could, please get in there and uh, and click yes or no. Ooh, ooh, we've got breaking news in the chat. Oh. From Scott. Uh, oh, let me put he, that up there. Yeah, it's a we super a, chat. Hold on. That's a... Uh, oh, maybe that one's turned off. What'd you do? Oh, I don't know. Do? I'm trying to do this. Hold on. I'll put it up here and let you... I'm trying to... Uh, anyway. Scott has super chatted us. Uh, thank you very much, Scott. He says, happy new year. Happy new conferences. Uh, very generous of you. Well, what are you doing over there? I'm playing with my board that's not working right now. Good God. I was trying to get breaking news going and he can't. Oh, no, it's a is ching a, Is that a Puma jacket? Uh, it is a Puma jacket, yeah. Okay. Interesting. I don't see many Pumas out in the wild these days. No. No, not too many Pumas. Oh, someone turned it down. There we go. There we go. Who's messing with my board? Who would do that? I don't know. Chris Trevino was here for the, uh, they did a five-hour composite two-star recruits podcast on signing day. Five-hour live we podcast. Point. That's insane. That's yes. stupid. How much Super Chat money did they make from that? <sighs> not as much as they did. The first one they did, they got like 700 bucks. Remember that? Like they had a couple hundred dollar donations. I think this was like, the one or 200 range. It was, it was kind of more normal. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, but thank well, you. Thank for the you, Scott. Chat. That was very generous. Happy new year uh, to you as well. Did we get any um, reviews? No, we have no new reviews. Okay. Zero. I would say people are generally um, failing at many things this holiday season. You know, it's seasonal affective disorder season. Um, and I think our listenership, um, along with many people throughout the world are uh, feeling down. And that's the only explanation I can provide for why they aren't leaving uh, positive reviews for our show. Uh, clearly, quality is still very, very high. Um, very. And uh, it's just, uh, yeah, I blame the listeners. Uh, it's, like a, it's like a football program, for example, blaming its fans. Um, yes. You know, I blame the listeners. Certainly has nothing to do with... Um, anything else any other external factors we it did is. a show on freaking christmas day people leave we us did a, a christmas us morning a show yes 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 so leave us a goddamn review and apparently now scott left us the review in the best possible form which is money we like yeah that's way better reviews. super chats are better. why don't we uh, we should ask, well, no we don't ask for super chats but um we ask for reviews because those are free we've yeah. got 19 votes uh and the results are in does ryan have sick eyes uh, yes, overwhelming. Eighty nine percent say Yikes. yes. Yikes! Yeah. Uh, that's crazy. Eighty nine percent. I don't. Percentages are kind of weird. Like, did you ever get those? You know, when you're watching a game and they they give you the I don't know what the stats are, but they give you like the percent to win. Is it FPI or what? What are those? What are those things? You know, you're watching a game and they say, yeah, the the ESPN score predictor. Yeah, the score predictor. You know. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, oh, this this team's ninety nine percent to win and then they lose. I kind of feel like I experienced that myself when I was down like seven games to you in our pick contest. And now oh. we are tied. How do you yeah. like that for a segue? Sicky segue. Um, yeah, man, 
My uh, my ball picks are doing good. I'm four and two over at my bookie making a comeback. So make sure you go check out my bookie. Uh, they've been great to us over the last several years. I've been putting every single pick I talk about here on the show. I bet it over on my bookie. Uh, so far through bowl season, David is one and five, and I'm four and two. So making a comeback. We are both now ten games over five hundred. Whatever his lead was, I think it was like a seven-game lead. It is gone. It is evaporated. It is over. We are tied in our pick contest with only two games, potentially three, left. And I've been so happy that I've been doing my picks uh, over at my bookie. They've been great uh, to us. Uh, I have a lot of fun doing it. So it's fun when we we take these picks kind of seriously because we talk about it all the time. And it really doesn't mean anything. But, you know, I put a little money on it. And it, it kind of gives me a little more juice. But I'm very happy about it. So make sure you check out the site every day uh, during the holidays. As they're giving away uh, boosted bets, free bets, and a lot more. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere over at MyBookie. Beautiful read. I mean, to do that when you're sick, I mean, that's just the mark of a true professional. I do my best. I do what I can. Um, but, yeah, that, it's unbelievable we are tied now. Can you believe I mean, that? I believe it. I, I called after, I think it was after the first or second bowl game. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to pick a single one of these correctly. And amazingly enough, I did pick one correctly. But it was um, not good for a while. No, 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 no. They they absolutely should have lost that game. But they won by 14, and that's all that matters. Well, you know, you can rely on like six turnovers every game, right? Like, Yeah, yeah, like... no, it's, it's definitely replicable. But I do remember <laughs> you making that argument to me last year when USC was generating like uh, just a stupid turnover thing. You're like, well, this is a mark of a good defense. No, no, it's luck. And what happened this year? The luck turned. They did turn. You can't replicate pot. You can't. You cannot replicate turnovers. Donna says, love this podcast. We'll miss miss you both. Happy New Year. We're not going away. We're going to still do the podcast. We're going to still talk about the same twelve idiotic teams that we talk about next year. At Don't least for too much into it. Maybe Donna's going away. You don't oh. know. Maybe uh, but... Donna's heading to prison after this. You don't know. I hope not. Yeah. I mean, we really hope not, Donna. Um, You seem amazing, but you you have no idea. West Texas Mike said he muted Pop-Tarts on Twitter. I didn't really watch much of that game, but I love Pop-Tarts. I don't eat them very often. There are two things on Twitter that are just sending me the last few days. One of them is every little um, uh, uh, communion-related Pop-Tarts tweet. Where it's like, this is my body. This is, you know, like, yeah. um, eat of my body. Um, and then the other one was um, the uh, Moneyball uh, crossed with Lord of the Rings tweets. Did you follow this? No. It was like uh, somebody making fun of, like, Elrond putting his team together. And it's four hobbits. And, like, just all these, like, you know, tweets about it. And then um, somebody did it with, like, the Moneyball, like, image of Brad Pitt and Moneyball. Like, he's putting his team together with, like, budget. Yes. But just everybody doing, like, memes upon memes upon memes of Moneyball quotes, but with all of the uh, Lord of the Rings stuff transposed. Like, we're going to replace Saruman, but we're going to we're gonna replace him in the ar- aggregate with four hobbits. Um, it was all really good. That's nice. You got to be there. You have to be there. Yeah, I gotta check it out. Um, but it was cool. Like they're basically the live Pop Tart mascot going into like a firework laden toaster, <laughs> and then a real Pop Tart comes out, and they eat it. And I, you know, like Lincoln Riley got doused with eggnog, and like, all right, I don't know, I don't know what that was associated with the Holiday Bowl, but like, 
Having, you know, the mayo thing, I don't really like. I don't think you can pour mayo. I don't know if they watered it down or whatever, but Pop Tart, that's a good one. And like, you got to really heat up the mayo to make it um, liquefy a little bit more. So hot mayo is good. Uh, but like, we had a couple, of, you know, that one, then Tony the Tiger, like, did you see some of the commercials where like the frosted flakes and they had like cinnamon toast frosted flakes and then they had like strawberry milk frosted flakes? Like, they seemed oh, like they're trying pretty hard. That's rough. But I haven't had Frosted Flakes in a while, but I liked. I used to like it, you know. Yeah, I last had Frosted Flakes at some Fairfield Inn because it was like one of the few breakfast options available. Oh, well, I always get Cinnamon Toast Crunch if you got that. But but they didn't um, have it. Uh, but I like Pop-Tarts. Wow. Anything with icing on it, I like. You know, Pop-Tarts. Yeah, no, I, I know. You're you're like a small child. I really have like 12 years. I mean, so many, so many cookies over Christmas. Maybe What's your favorite Pop-Tart? Probably like the strawberry with the yeah, frosting. Yeah, the strawberry with the white frosting and the little sprinkle dots. It's pretty pretty darn and good. It's hard to beat. It's hard to beat. I used to be a pure like cinnamon guy when I was a kid because it was um, basic, I would yeah. say. Um, but then I expanded my horizons uh, as a as a older teen, I would say, mm. and did the strawberry ones. And then it's, it's hard to go back from that. But I will say I probably haven't had a Pop-Tart of any sort well, I shouldn't say that. I probably haven't had a strawberry pop tart in fifteen years. Sad. That is sad. I used to when I was uh, a kid, like I was like fifteen, working my first job, like in a grocery store. We would get like fifteen minute breaks, and I was I was literally probably still six three, but like one hundred sixty five pounds, like, like super super skinny, and I would get like a quart of whole milk and a box of pop tarts, and that would be my. I would just chow that at a fifteen minute break. We've got breaking news in the chat. Uh, West Texas Mike says he's never had a Pop-Tart. <gasps> uh, that's, yeah. You can remedy that, though. You can go to the store. Did you this see that? The, the ubiquitous breakfast item of lazy parents everywhere is feeding your kid a Pop-Tart, especially like 90s or 80s. Like, yeah, because you're not concerned with health. Like, come on, get out of here. Have a Pop-Tart, kid. Get the hell out of here. Go to school. The whole isn't the whole breakfast thing like the health thing that was just like made up by like Kellogg. Well, so yeah, yeah, no. So breakfast as a construct, like it's a complete social construct. Like I'm a full conspiracist about breakfast, where it's yeah. all just a capitalistic nightmare. Because, like, oh, all this stuff that's like oh specific breakfast foods. No, this is all horseshit. Like, why are lunch and dinner basically the same, but breakfast has to be this monstrosity of like eggs and insane carbs, and also the health thing, like. Oh, you should eat a fulfilling breakfast. No, you should eat like a normal amount of food throughout the day and keep your energy up. And it has nothing to do with whether it's a breakfast or lunch or dinner. It doesn't matter. I do love me some brunch and breakfast. I like breakfast foods. I do like it, but um, yeah, no, you don't. And we also have Fault. Chris. Uh, what hasn't had a pop tart either? Go eat a pop tart. Eat a pop tart. Yeah, that's our that's our dietary recommendation. They're pretty Go good. Eat a uh, all right. Well, we're trying to keep this tight because I'm not feeling good and we're just already off the rails. There's David. That, here, do that again. We'll, uh, okay. So that's like the 13 minute mark. All right. I'll go find that okay. and we'll, uh, that'll be our screenshot. Um, okay. So we got to talk about three bowl games that happened and we're going to preview, uh, two ones that are coming, uh, up. So the first one, uh, surprised me, surprised a lot of people. I think we had, um, Unranked. USC Trojan. Taking on number 15, Louisville, in uh, the Holiday Bowl. 
These were the Cardinals. I guess we got to pick a new Pope. Um, this was Wednesday, December 27th. Oh, no, no, no. I don't need to do that part. We're just talking about the game itself. We're just talking happened. about the game, yeah. Woo, oh, boy. Um, all right, so this is um, a game that I think both of us picked incorrectly. And we both there was got this no, wrong. Absolutely no reason leading up to literally the opening kickoff to think that what was going to happen ended up happening. I think your Connor Morissette tweeted before the game, USC, by my count, has like 53 scholarship players available for this game. Um, but here's what I noted from the game, which was a uh, pretty comfortable USC win. I mean, they looked pretty good throughout. Uh, defensively, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't even great, but really flying around on defense, a lot more gang tackling, a lot more um, just playing with a great deal of energy on defense. And obviously Danton Lynn wasn't calling the defense, but to think he didn't have maybe an impact, even if it was implicit, like these guys are auditioning for a role. Um, it, it, this was a team that looked a lot more locked in than they've looked in months. Um, so that was it on defense. And then on offense, I mean, the huge story was Miller Moss also maybe having some of that audition feel to him uh, going out there and playing an awesome game. I mean, there were a couple throws early where it was like, oh, the receiver made a great play. Um, it wasn't necessarily a great throw. But, like, I think his last four or five touchdowns were all throws basically into the end zone where he had to fit it into coverage or make a yeah. great tight throw over a guy. His first his uh, first touchdown was like a dump off to like Taj Washington who ran in. His next five were all into the end zone or what the I think the Deuce Robinson he was like on the three yard line over his shoulder like they were all touchdown passes not well and like screen and, passes and, the guy ran in and so many things to be excited about I mean like Jacoby Lane the connection they had in this one and Jacoby Lane looking suddenly like hey when did Mike Williams show up back on USC's campus um, just there was a lot of I think. Reason to walk away from that game um, as a USC fan, uh, pretty darn excited because Louisville, like they were down some guys, but this was most of their team pretty intact coming into this game. Um, and, you know, we saw them against Florida State. We've seen Jack Plummer play a lot of football. We know that they're not very good, but USC has looked like dirt for like a month of, well, the month of the end of the season. Yeah. Um, to go out there without Caleb Williams, um, without, um, I'm spacing on the name of the running back. Oh, Marshawn Lloyd. Marshawn Lloyd. Uh, without Rice. Marshawn Lloyd. Without so many of these Caleb guys. Caleb Bullock. Have, yeah. Like, but like to have Taj Washington in his last game really show out, um, look great. Uh, Makai Lemon looking really good. Jacoby Lane looking really good. I mean, Deuce Robinson, I mean, homeboy has to figure out those hands because he is like, he took a ball, I think it was off the face where he had his hands here and the ball went here um, and bounced off his grill. But, um, you know, he's he's obviously a really, really talented player. But like, I think if you're a, if you're a USC fan and you were looking for like positive signs for next year, imagine all of what you saw with those guys flying around on defense. And, you know, again, it wasn't perfect. Like Louisville found some chunk plays. They did some like stuff, but it wasn't, wasn't the secondary getting blown up the way it has all year. Um, it was, you know, some chunk plays against, uh, a, a, you know, a, a defensive front that was limited by guys leaving and all kinds of stuff. But um, 
imagine all of that with a real defensive coordinator with some of these additions that they've gotten in the transfer portal. You can start to talk yourself into this. And I don't want to get too out over my skis about Miller Moss because it's one game in a bowl game. You know, things matter, but they also don't matter. But you were never going to see some of the backup quarterbacks that USC's had over the last decade do what he did in this game. Um, and I think that's the most probably encouraging thing because it wasn't just that he was making throws. It wasn't just that he was like, you know, his receivers were really helping him out. He was rolling out. He was making throws kind of off platform. He was doing some stuff that was like, and also like just, there were a couple plays where there was one play where he rolled to his right. And it was like, I think set up to be a screen to his running back. And it was Austin Jones. And it was not open. It was dead on arrival. And he just dirts it, dirts it right at uh, Austin Jones feet, live to play another day. And it's yeah. like, that guy's had no reps basically at a college level and he's doing the smart throwaways already. Like that takes guys a long time to learn. Like Dorian Thompson Robinson wasn't smartly throwing the ball away until his third year as a starter. Um, <laughs> so it's like, you know, I, I think there's reason to be encouraged. Now, should USC still look and see what it can get in the transfer portal? If there's a great you know quarterback available, maybe, but I don't know. I, I think for continuity purposes, I think for, I think we're going to learn some things about the psychology of building a team. And I think a lot of times when you can build internally with a guy who has developed within the program and built relationships with a lot of guys in the program, not the worst idea in the world. No, I agree. I mean, Lincoln Riley was asked about it afterwards and he's like, Hey, it might scare, he might've scared quarterbacks away. Like if you watch that terrible Ohio state game, uh, Southern California kid, Devin Brown starts, he gets hurt. Didn't really look like he was all that interested in the game. Um, you're a transfer quarterback. You probably want to go to Ohio State. Do you want to go to USC where Miller Moss throws six touchdowns in, in the bowl game? I don't know. Uh, but I, I was kind of shocked by this. You don't really know the motivation coming in. They had six weeks off because they had a bye the last week. And they seem to take this seriously. All the guys that were out, dudes on defense, dudes on offense. I mean, they had a lot of opt-outs. Uh, you know, no Caleb Williams. But, you know, he was still there. First guy cheering on Miller Moss and everything. Uh, and Moss has waited for this for a long time. So kudos to him. I mean, he's a really nice kid. Glad to see that he played well. But they 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 blocked better. They tackled better. Like their their left tackle Jonah Monheim, they moved him to guard, and they bring Elijah Page in to be the left tackle of the future. They kind of made some changes that probably made sense. Um, and they just seem to play together as a team. And you know, there's a lot of guys. You know, Damani Jackson not there. Corey Foreman. All these five star guys are like were gone, and they seem to get better somehow i don't know but they they had a lot of time to prepare for this i'll give the coaches credit for using the six weeks off to actually prepare yep. for the ball game louisville had some guys on on offense but their defense was really good um and usc kind of shredded them after the, the they had a three and out the first it was seven nothing three and out first drive give up a touchdown and then after that you know they could have scored again miller moss threw a pick basically going to the end zone uh that that almost went the other way but they they tackled pretty well on defense. Like they played good on offense. They didn't run the ball that much, but this was not the way they looked. And, and some USC fans were like, "This is the more fun I've had watching a game like all year." And it kind of was. So it was just a weird yeah. situation, but it gives you some hope. Kind of like UCLA gets a bowl win. You know, you get a lot of hope I'll, for the, the will, for the future. Like you're you're going to be amazed at how I emerge from your screen <laughs> like the girl in the ring and choke you out. <laughs> But it did. I, like I did. you're going to see me crawling out of a sewer and I'm going to be slowly <laughs> approaching the screen and you're going to think, David. oh, I'm safe. 
because he's in the screen, but then suddenly I'm going to jump out and murder you. <laughs> Just saying, the levels of optimism in the LA schools have to be threat. very uh, similar. We have breaking news in the chat, Ryan. Oh, we do? Okay, let me... Uh... Yeah, from uh, Jackson McCann. Uh, he, he super chatted us uh, $9.99. Thank you so much, Jackson. He said, thanks for the great year. We really appreciate our listeners. You know, here at the end of uh, end of 2023, uh, you're all fantastic. We all we love you so much, um, and thanks for listening. Thank you and very watching. much. Yeah, thanks for watching, listening. I appreciate it, Jackson. Thanks for the super chat. That is awesome. Um, but yeah, going in, I really didn't expect. I mean, I didn't get to go to this game because I came back and I was six. I was supposed to drive to San Diego the next day, so I watched this one from my couch, and. Uh, it was it was pretty shocking result. I didn't expect that USC fans would have like some. Uh, usually USC was doing well on the the off season stuff, the off the field stuff. Like oh, they got all these great players and stuff, but then they they go on the field and stink. They kind of hadn't had a great recruiting class. wasn't like killing the portal. And then they have like a good result on the field. So it was kind of like reverso. But uh, it gives it's giving the fans some optimism going into it. And Miller Moss certainly seems like a capable quarterback. So we'll see kind of what goes on with that. For sure. All right. So that was our uh, the first game. The second game, we got to go to the Alamo Bowl. We got um, Arizona Wildcats. Wow. Uh, they were number 14 in the country, and they were taking on number 12, Oklahoma Sooners. I guess we're here early. Let's steal <laughs> some land. Uh, this was on Thursday. Um I mean, really just a comfortable, easy win for Arizona. I don't know why we need to talk about it anymore. Um, they won by 14. Uh, it wasn't like they had to score 25 straight to win by 14, right? Like, that didn't have to happen, correct? Uh, uh, I don't think I don't think it was 13 points straight followed by 28 points straight the other side and then 25 points straight the for Arizona again. So where Arizona yeah, just kind of happen. disappeared. That didn't happen. Yeah, it was no, it was cruising so I, to I and, I really and, was when it was 13 nothing, I still was feeling like uh-oh, like there's still I just felt like Oklahoma was going to turn it on and then they did and it was like it was 28-13, right? I think it was 28-13. And Yeah, uh, so, okay. And so, I was like, um, okay, this is, so then I was like, well, at least David's going to go over the the day in yeah, yeah. picks. But then you came back. Yeah, I should have. I should have. So earmuffs <laughs> Arizona fans or listen if you'd like. Um I'm a big Jed Fish guy. I'm a big Arizona guy. They should have gotten their asses kicked in this game, but for uh, six turnovers from Oklahoma. And the thing is, like, I've talked about turnovers a bunch, but, like, they lost basically every fumble they could lose. Uh, basically every time Arizona got its hands on balls, it picked it off. Like, it was – this was um, what's called turnovers luck. This was an extremely lucky game for Arizona. Now, those games happen, and I don't mean to say, like, sometimes you can get a bunch of turnovers and you still lose because you're not executing, and Arizona did enough with those turnovers to win the game. But they, like, if you, it's one of those where you plug the stats into the end game and you're like, oh, Oklahoma should have won that game by two touchdowns. They didn't because they turned the ball over, like, a uh, ridiculous thing. Um, they had 562 total yards to Arizona's 383. Uh, just, uh, you know, that it's hard to see. What is playing on my computer? God, I hate this. What'd you do on your okay. computer? No, no, no. Um, yeah, so you, ESPN, you screwed something up there. No, no, side note. 
ESPN is the site I use when I am uh, pulling up like the remaining like box score items that I need to reference as I'm talking. But here's the problem. They autoplay videos, but they do it sporadically. So sometimes it'll autoplay and sometimes it won't. And it really just depends on what the stupid video ad is. And then it started autoplaying while I was trying to talk. And I can't do two things at once. I can't listen and also talk. Not possible. And so I stop talking and I try to find the uh, tab on my computer that's playing. And here's another side note. I'm one of those Google Chrome guys that has like 55 uh, tabs open. At I have a lot time. of tabs. So finding, finding where I have this playing video, it's impossible. Anyway, Arizona, <laughs> uh, look, there was a, there's, there's a ton to be excited about in a macro. I'm not going to focus too much on this game. Arizona won. They beat Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl. That is so cool. They won 10 games this year. That is so cool. Noah Fafita looked really good again on balance. Uh, you know, there were some dry moments, but on balance. They did this without the running game really working at all. Um, you know, none of those guys could get much. You know, DJ Williams, Jonah Coleman, Michael Wiley, we've liked them. You know, Michael Wiley making his way back to the field, but none of them uh, played particularly well. This was heavily reliant on Noah Fafita. Um, and his connection with Jacob Cowing and uh, and Tedero McMillan was just, it is what it was all year. Um, and those guys really performed when it mattered. So kudos to them. And, uh, you know, Arizona now, they go into um, uh, the Big 12 having knocked off the Big 12 power from the last 20 years. You know, this is a changing of the guard. We've, we've, we've beaten the ass of Oklahoma. Now we will be the Oklahoma of the new Big 12. Yeah, this was... This was a really fun game to watch. Yes. And uh, because we both, we go, both got this right. Um, were we giving points or we, what was the spread on this one? This was Arizona was favored. Yeah. By, by a little bit. But, you know, yeah. the way they've been playing later in the season, we're like, all right. And then come out right away. Uh, you know, they turned one turnover instantly into a touchdown, but they like, yeah. they were moving the ball, but then sort of like kicking field goals and, uh, then the one turnover, they turned into a touchdown. It ended up being 13 nothing. You're like, all right. But you could tell, like, Oklahoma was uh, moving the ball. Yeah, they had their freshman. So uh, Gabriel was gone. He's at Oregon now. So Arnold, the freshman, was coming in there. And, you know, he did some cool things, but he was like a freshman. He was like Dante Mooring it up a little bit, right? Like, he was turning the ball over, sort of like getting rid, you know, trying to make big plays, but also putting the ball in harm's way and Arizona was able to kind of capitalize on that. And like Johnny Nansen and the defense, I thought they played well, but that stretch when it was 13, nothing, the 28 straight points, it just looked like Oklahoma could run away with it at that point. And 20, 24 straight, points. 24. I'm sorry. My bad. 24 straight points. Um, was it, what was the final score? Uh, 38 to 24. Okay. So my, my bad on that 28. Um, I'm sick. Yeah. I'm going to blame it on that. No, but, blame it on the fitness. Yeah. Blame it on the sickness. It doesn't really work as much as alcohol. No. Uh, but so that was – when that was going on, you're like, uh-oh. This is uh, there's this is trouble brewing. But literally, Arizona got saved by turnovers when that was happening because they were still moving the ball. Um, but then, you know, giving Arizona the ball back. And then, and for whatever reason, the offense wasn't working. I think they were trying to force it to T-Mac a little bit. And he was a, you know – he was just a force. Uh, I don't know if you know, have his final numbers pulled up there, but he was I like do. A, a huge port. What, what, what was his uh, T-Max number? He had 10 catches for 160 yards. Yeah. Yeah. It was a big, and and like you said, that's like half of, 
Arizona's total yardage in this game. Like they weren't, but they were doing enough. I like the way they were playing. And I think, yes, there's turnover luck, but they were taking, I think they were forced some of that too. Like you got to give Arizona some credit for some of that. But this was a, I think Oklahoma is probably a better team on paper. And Arizona comes out and gets it. It's a big win. I think this is a good win for the outgoing of the conference. Certainly for Arizona going into the Big 12, where like, you guys couldn't beat that team because we did when we're coming in here. And then stupid my mentions get all because the Oklahoma USC thing. Um, I think uh, college football Reddit tweeted out that uh, Brent Venables now has as many losses in his two years at Oklahoma that Lincoln Riley had in his six years or whatever it was. And they are all getting all mad at me. And they're like, and USC fans are going, oh, USC beat Arizona. Why couldn't Oklahoma? Um, yeah. So there was a lot of those like kind of parallels. Like I just, I kind of want to leave that behind maybe that Caleb Williams is gone maybe this will kind of go away now but uh yeah there was like a lot my mentions were kind of going crazy for this one but super fun watch big big win jetfish ten, you know to go from one win two years later whatever to 10 wins going into a new conference beating the class of that conference um you know kudos to to fish and and Arizona and Fafita looks great you love you know it, I think there's a lot of optimism there and the fact that the defense you know they added some guys from the portal but they lost some dudes too, and their defense got a lot better this year. Kind of like what UCLA's did. USC's going to try to do the same thing next year. No, UCLA's defense got better this year. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I, know. I thought. I thought. I thought you were going into uh, one of your famous trolls. No, 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 no. Uh, yes, no. The, the 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 turnaround from UCLA's defense um, is certainly something you could project for USC. I, I, I'm reasonably confident. But Arizona did it too. You know, yeah, and- Arizona is the classic, very successful rebuild. Um, yeah. very bad to dangerous but mediocre to very good in three years. And I'm excited to see what the future holds. I don't think, you know, uh, it's it's not always going to be linear. Um, I I don't know that necessarily next year they're going to win 11 games. Um, you know, I think Jacob Cowing moves on. Um, so they're going to have some guys to replace, but yeah. there's still a ton to be excited about there. You have some advice. Uh, a dog's life in Portland. Note to David, look for the speaker icon on the tab where the video is playing on. Yeah, that's easy when you have a normal number of tabs. <laughs> but when you don't, I've got to like visually recognize across like 60 things on here. Yeah. But yes, thank you. That is good advice. I just, um, you know, I, I knew that already. It's just, you know, having the visual acuity to find it among um, a bunch of color and X's is difficult. But great win, uh, Jed Fish, Arizona. Congrats. Uh, really good one going into it. We've got one more bowl game to recap. Didn't go as well for the Pac-12 or Pac-2 or whatever you want to say. But uh, we had, I believe they were the number 19 ranked team. Oregon State Beavers. Uh, they were in the, the Tony the Tiger, not the Frosted Flakes, but the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl against number 16, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Oh, give me my pot of gold. Um, what was your favorite rushing yard for Oregon State in this game? <laughs> it came at the end. Your favorite third down conversion? Was that like, <laughs> like literally, they didn't have a third down conversion until there was like less than two minutes left in the game. Like they, how had, two rushing, they had two rushing yards in yeah. this game. 
That Dude. one was pretty good, though. That one rushing yard. That one, that one from Deshaun Fenwick. But I don't know. Maybe the other one from Deshaun Fenwick was also pretty good. Do we know that Damian Martinez wasn't going to play when we previewed? Like, no, was, I think it was I announced. Didn't, I didn't know that. Um, that's not to say that it wasn't known, but I didn't know that. And if I had known that, I don't know that I would have picked this game the way I did. Um, I did pick Oregon State stupidly. Um, When last we left him, Ben Goldbranson looked about like this, and um, time has not been kind to him. (laughs) Uh, He did not perform well. But I wouldn't blame really him or anyone on offense, though the offense was putrid and awful. Um, They got smoked defensively by something called a Steve Angeli. Um. Yeah, we're we're gonna check in on that, but I think I believe it's it, it was something called a Steve or Stev Angeli. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that, I think that's who that was. In any event, uh, he he threw for two hundred and thirty-two yards on nineteen attempts, which isn't good. That's pretty bad. Uh, but then they also ran the ball for almost two hundred and fifty yards. So, um, they got smoked on both. Ends and yeah, Oregon State was down a lot of guys. They're also down a coach. They're down a lot. But uh, this, you know, in the way that like the USC game was, uh, it drives some optimism. It makes you feel excited about next year. Like the existential dread that I'm sure is in the hearts of a lot of Oregon State fans. Um, it 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 only grows from a game like this where you don't look competitive. I mean, this was it was thirty two to nothing at one point. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, a hideous, hideous football game, um, and uh, <laughs> it was so bad. It's like it, it, it's hard to like find good words to describe it. I mean, on one end, like Oregon State finished eight and five, and you got to feel good about that. Like just generally, I mean, it's not it's not what you thought it was going to be preseason. If you were like an optimist about Oregon State, like I think my co-host was, but um, still a good season for Oregon State. But now you're staring at a cliff. Oh, um, yeah going forward and it's just uh, I really wish they could have uh could have in their last competition as a Pac-12 team well obviously the Pac-2 but you know what I mean uh been at least more competitive in this game because this was just the hideous hideous blowout it was West Texas Mike said uh, wasn't there an offensive lineman who converted a two-point conversion uh yeah that was like late in the game um you know it was weird we we talked about like the the attrition. Notre Dame had a lot of attrition. You saw Sam Hartman and his like yeah. uh, you know. Good well, and looks. that was what I was banking on. I was banking on both teams looking kind of assy, but like Oregon State's level of ass was way assier, was so higher than anything that was going on. Like a Steve Angeli came in. Yeah. Again, I've never heard of Steve Angeli. I'm not no. sure if that's a real person. <laughs> that might be just a name generator. I don't know. But uh, Steve Angeli came in and looked better than Steve than than Sam Hartman did all year because he was going against an Oregon State defense that like like looked borderline terrible. They yeah, I think Oregon State lost a little bit more. They had younger guys playing on defense than maybe Notre Dame did. I think both teams lost a lot on offense. You know, SMA, their best Notre Dame's best running back was out. Sam Hartman like literally was doing like play by play on the sideline. Um, you know, they, they kept showing to him. I think Ty, uh, Hillebrand from solid verbal was like over under on how many full, you know, shots of Sam Hartman do they show? And it was, he, I think he got up to like 10. They were showing him all the time. Good looking dude. Going to go to the NFL, whatever. Um, 
But when you saw the first sort of series where, uh, well, Oregon State got the ball and they did nothing. And then Notre Dame got the ball and they would like hand it off to, I, I, was it Love was the running back? I forget who it was, but he was kind of, uh, you know, whatever. They had they had guys that could come in and play. And there was, there were, uh, the main running back was Jadarian Price. Price, okay. And it was like, oh, pick up like eight yards or something. You're like, all right, they can run the ball up the middle. They do it again. And then it was like, uh, your boy, uh, the quarterback would just like roll out and like hit the tight end, like roll, you know, for eight yards. And it just looked like, here's a play we're going to draw up that the guy will be open and the quarterback can make the throw. And they just kept doing that stuff. And they hit one big play um, down the field later. But it just looked like Notre Dame was whatever the storm was of like opt outs. They were able to weather it and sort of like, here's, here's what we're going to put on the field. And it's going to be. You know, we're, we're going to take a few ingredients away from you, from your menu, and you get the first couple courses. You're like, oh, this is still really good. That's fine. And they put out a really nice menu out there, and they delivered on their meal. And what you saw from Oregon State was sort of like, we didn't have salt. We didn't have, like, they didn't have anything. And you weren't sure what the hell was going on. They just looked god-awful. Couldn't do anything. Couldn't run the ball. Uh, it, it was It was not pretty. And then I wasn't. I thought Trent Bray would end up being the head coach. He wasn't the head coach for this game. They had an interim head coach and it was, you know, he tried a, a horrible, one of the worst uh, fake punts like you'll ever see just got, it, it, it was tackled for a loss. It wasn't like, you know, it was just death. Uh, and uh, they got a safety trying to run the ball in the end zone. I, I feel like that maybe hurt things more. I know Bray's got to assemble the staff and recruit and stuff, but when you're like defensive coordinator is like not really part of the game plan because he's got to like plan for next year. He was still there, but not really there. You know what I mean? I think there was just too much for this uh, team to overcome. And I felt really strong. Like as soon as I saw the first two drives, I'm like, all right, there's no way that Oregon state's going to cover um, I was a little worried at the beginning, but it was like, all right, fine. Um, but they just too much. There was too much gone player wise, but coaching wise, when you have the coaches gone and the weird situation that you kept Trent Bray for continuity, but he wasn't really part of this, you know, uh, I don't know. Did you see that? Like, it didn't seem like he was even part of the game plan because he was, it, it was like he was removed or something. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know the circumstances, the dynamics, but yes, that was very strange. Yeah, so I think that not having like your future head coach, um, I mean, having Gold Branson, who, you know, won the bowl game last year and was, I think he was MVP or something, I think that could kind of help, but there was just too much missing. It just, you could just tell that they were just, you know, this was a, a chopped episode where the, the ingredients just, they were never going to make any sense. So you just couldn't do anything with it. And uh, yeah, so Notre Dame was just a more button down team that you could lose a few pieces and kind of make things work. They still had a lot of continuity. There was zero continuity with Oregon State. So uh, you feel bad, but it was, this was not a game. No, so, not a game at all. So I feel pretty good that I got this one right. And this allowed me to tie you. I'm proud of you. Thanks. Um, cool. All right. Well, why don't we do, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. And uh, preview the games and maybe do a couple of questions. So back in a minute, everyone.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All right, we're back here on the podcast of champions. I'm feeling like crap, David. Are you feeling even worse than you were at the beginning of the show? I'm okay. And I'm if you guys are watching, I am uh, sipping from my tea, which is helpful. I've been drinking a lot of tea lately. Um, mm. But no, I'm just, if you do anything for like an hour, you just kind of like get run down. Like, okay, I got to go back to the couch and watch bowl games. We have good games on today. Will there be some good games? Um, it game? depends on how you feel about uh, the Orange Bowl. Mm. Florida State's going to be uh, missing a bunch. Yeah, of they're, they're the whole team is out. the The funny, the Alamo Bowl. I think they said that was like the highest, the best as far as rankings go. Like twelve and fourteen, Arizona and Oklahoma. Outside of the New Year Six, like that was like the premier non, yeah, whatever New Year Six Bowl. That was, I mean, another big win, you know, for Arizona for that one. But that was cool. I'm going to be watching UCLA basketball versus Oregon at one o'clock. Are you? USC, wait, USC, UCLA uh, women's team play today, right? That's true. At five o'clock, I believe. Um, They're like number two versus number six. uh, Everyone should tune into that one. It's going to be a really, really good game. Is it on a Pac-12 network or what is it? Hang on. Uh, UCLA, USC, women's basketball. Let's give people a little bit of information. All right. Uh, Dude, why do they make it so hard to that look should up be on network? like ESPN or something? Like it's like legit. Yeah, hang on. Um, you they make it so one? hard to look up TV networks these days. Uh, oh God! Oh, Mark says I've got to click into so many things. It's on the Pac-12 network. Yeah, so people can't really watch, but uh, you know you've made it. Okay, USC and UCLA women's basketball. You know you've made it. Both undefeated. They're combined. 21 and 0 or whatever, you know, big, big time. You know, you've made it when there's people that actually want to watch this game and they can't because it's on the Pac-12 network. So now you've made it. Now you should feel like you're part of it. Like there's been so many of these other games, you know. Um, We got some uh, breaking news. Hugo. Hugo. Yeah. What a man. What a man. What a man. What a man. What a mighty fine man. Good morning, fellas. It is very rare that I have a day off and the blessed opportunity to chime in live. I'm trying to, to stay caught up with the Mikes and Colts. 
fight on and a shout out to spoonful of Eric from bro. Thank you, Hugo. What a generous, what a generous day. This is That's been. really nice. Hugo. Thank you so much. Uh, you, you people are amazing. We love Oh, you. Hey, we got a mod in the chat. He's like, so he's been covering uh USC women's hoops for us. It says, Packed off networks, and it's a sold-out Poly Pavilion. Yeah, no, this is crazy. And I was actually, because um, I can never go to men's or uh, football, um, I was going to get uh, season tickets to take my kids to women's basketball this year, and I didn't. You should have. They're really, really good. cool atmosphere to go to this game. Yeah, no, I should have. It was, And it was cheap. It's really cheap. Like, if you are uh, – this is my pitch. If you are into um, just kind of the sports experience generally – and you haven't necessarily followed a lot of women's basketball. I've actually watched some games now for the first time. It's a really good product. Um, season tickets are really cheap at most um, of the you know major West Coast schools, and I would assume at USC and UCLA as well. UCLA, it was like I think you get season tickets for like a hundred bucks for like wow, that's good a seat for the entire season. So uh, anyway, if you if you are interested, uh, you might still be able to get some packages like that. Nice. Um... So I guess Ole Miss and uh, Penn State are playing right now. Put that up there. 10-3, Lane Kiffin uh, against James Franklin. So mm-hmm. Ole Miss is beating Penn State. So thanks, Ben, for pointing that one out. All right, we got two games to preview uh, mm-hmm. for the bowl games. We're going to start with the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, we got number 23, Liberty, and we have number eight, Oregon Ducks. Um. I mean, you, you've screwed me up. All right, so Liberty is the Flames, right? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's the Flames. Yeah, they're the Flames. Okay. All right, so uh, the Fiesta Bowl, Monday, January 1st, ESPN, 10 a.m., number 23, Liberty. Ah, I'm Jerry Falwell, and I'm burning in hell, uh, versus number eight, Oregon. Uh, Oregon is a 16-and-a-half-point favorite. Um. Yeah, I can't in good conscience pick uh, Liberty. Um, Liberty is a really good football program, though. Um, actually, I can pick them. I'm t- I'm taking Liberty. Uh, Jamie Chadwell is a lord. Uh, he's 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 really good at uh, um, you know, figuring out the whole offense thing. Is Bo Nix playing in this game? Bo Nix is playing. I thought mm. Mm. he is playing it. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was planned. <laughs> I'm, I'm having a tough time with this because that's a huge spread. Um, Liberty's offense, um, what they do is pretty impressive. Um, they shouldn't be in this game, but there not. is like this 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 thing where you win a lot of games, you get used to winning a lot of games. You know what I mean? Like it's it's breaking a team that wins a lot is hard to do because it's a team that has. And you, you take level of competition into uh, uh, account, but it's also just that team wins a ton. Like they find a way to win games where it's, yeah. you know, it's because even a really dominant team is going to find games where they struggle. And for a team to consistently win the way Liberty has, it's hard to say like, oh, they're going to get just absolutely smoked in this game. So I'm taking Liberty. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll have to do some um, penance for that. But I I'm taking say. Liberty. I think politically you would not take Liberty. Um, I'm shocked at this. I'm going to take the Ducks. This is the situation where the Ducks play a team like this, they blow them out. And I feel like the motivation is going to be high. 
not a great taste in your mouth, like losing to Washington, you know, having a chance to be in the playoff, have a chance to win the Heisman, all that gone. I feel like they're going to take out, uh, you know, fire and brimstone here on Liberty and uh, just blow them the F out. Liberty hasn't played anybody good. They're, they really have played nobody good. The whole argument was that SMU should have been there because they played TCU and they played Oklahoma, I believe it was. Um, Liberty hasn't played anybody. Ain't played nobody. And they're going to play somebody, and I think they're going to get boat raced. So give me Oregon. I didn't think we would go different on that one. So I'm uh, call me a little shot. Dude, dude, I'm I'm again, I am I am approaching a streak. I want to see how many of these I can you lose. Should, yeah. Is it possible still for me to finish under 500 for the season, or is that gone? No, no, no. We, we're both 10 games over 500. Ah, oh, geez. Okay, fine. Uh, Liberty's 132nd strength of schedule, according to Penn. So I don't give a shit. Right. Give me Liberty I, or give me death. You, I mean, seven, a lot of we've seen bowl games where they're like scr- struggling to score points, like teams not scoring 17 points. So I, I think in general, I would probably be taking a lot of unders and give me the points in some of these games. Give is, me Liberty or give me death. Yeah. But this one, I'm just like, I feel like Oregon can score in this one. So we'll see. Okay. All right. Uh, do you want to do here? Do you want to do the thing, and then I'll just play the the sound effect, or I don't know how you want to do it. We got a sugar, sugar bowl. bowl. Yeah, it's a sugar bowl. It's the uh, playoff semifinal on Monday, January first, on ESPN five forty five p.m. Number three, Texas. Um, what did we decide a Longhorn was? It's a type of cow. It's a cow with horns. I guess. Ooh, <laughs> I have horns. Moo. <laughs> They're long. Versus number two, Washington. Washington Huskies. <laughs> Washington is a four-point dog in this game. So here's the reason why I applied my logic to Liberty is because I intend to apply that logic to Washington. Okay. Uh, Washington doesn't have, let's be real, Washington doesn't have any business from a power rating standpoint, from a advanced analytics standpoint, from a talent composite standpoint. Has no business being in a playoff. None. Like, they're a good top 15, top 20 program. They're not a top four program. Are you hating? But. boy. But. Okay. Kalen DeBoer <laughs> just wins football games. My dude goes out there and he just beats ass. He wrecks shop. And he's been doing that for so goddamn long. Like from fucking Sioux City, South Dakota, all the way through to Washington, to Seattle, Washington. Uh, how many games straight has that dude won? Is it not like twenty one now? He's. 22? I think he had the. I think they have the longest winning streak because once Georgia lost, I think they have the longest winning streak in the. Or maybe Florida State has it. Yeah, dude. Dude just wins. He wins. He beats teams that are like more talented, which are like power rated higher, like Oregon. He beats them twice, uh, and the second time pretty convincingly. Um, I have a hard time picking against that, and I think Texas is really good. I think Sark has done a fantastic job. I think it's, um, you know, I it's hard it's it's hard to get excited about uh, Sark because I I do think he's a little bit of a dick, but it's also <laughs> nice to see a guy, a guy turn his life around. Um, yes. And yes, yes. Um, afforded a lot of opportunities to turn his life around because of the way the coaching fraternity is set up, but it is still cool to see a, you know, a redemption arc, even if it is for a guy who's like, whatever, it's kind of a schmuck. 
Um, but it's still it's still nice to see uh, from like a human angle um, to see somebody. You're like, see somebody. It's so great to see Sark because you know you you root for a guy like that who's a fucking asshole, and then uh, you know it's like you're like well, he's, this he's backhanded a compliment. Asshole, but but like you still like to see somebody who goes from a schmuck and an asshole and having a bunch of other problems to just be a schmuck and an asshole by himself without yeah. those other problems. Um, and so. And to do all that while actually improving in his uh, assigned profession um, is also nice to see. That being said, uh, he's 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 going to fall as all men fall to the uh, the the might of DeBoer. Give me Washington. Yeah, I've taken the four points. If it was like a pick 'em, I think I might take Texas. But four points, I'll take DeBoer and Washington. Um, I think Texas defensive line is probably going to beat the crap out of Washington's front a little bit. Um, you know, I, it was funny. Listen to uh, Rick Neuheisel talk, and he's like, Kalen DeBoer, Michael Penix in an indoor environment. So they're going to play, you know, in, you know, it's like. There's going to there's be some bombs. Yeah, he could just throw. <laughs> there's no, like, wind. There's nothing. Um, I feel like they're going to be able to do some stuff. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to go with you on this one. Uh, I could see this being wrong. I could see Texas sort of just like out athleting them. Um, yeah, Texas has a lot more talent. They have um, more talent. It's a more talented team, um, and by rights, they're a justified four point favorite. But it's look. There's a reason Sark was seven win Sark for a long time, and there's a reason Kalen DeBoer is like a fucking golden god, and it's because one just wins games, and one occasionally finds ways to lose them. Yeah. So big game, uh, but yeah, the, the four points. I'll go with you on this one. I'll take Washington, and uh, so I'm rolling with both Pac-12 teams. So we've got know. some breaking news in the chat. Oh, let's uh, let's go. Is it a West Texas West Mike? Texas Mike? Uh, he has provided two West Texas mics. Uh, he says, "Oh, this mobile slider dictates that uh, amounts end in ninety nine cents anyway. Nearly two West Texas mics for Ryan to count down, not for the new year, but till he vomits." Oh. I'm not a vomiter. No, I don't vomit either. I just have like a um, runny nose. I have like headache, runny nose, no fever. Um, it's just basically like a cold. I'll be honest. Like when I'm really sick, this is going to be TMI, so earmuffs everyone. But like when I'm really sick, like with some sort of stomach bug, um, I don't vomit. I I poo like a racehorse. I, and like a racehorse trying to climb uphill. You know, have you ever been on a hike? where um where horses are like yeah in the in the sierras um and you see at the bottom of a hill before it's a long climb you'll just see like a pile of horse crap they do it before they get on the climb well they do it like it's like an energy thing um i had it explained to me one time okay. but anyway that's me when i've got a stomach bug nothing comes out this end but everything comes out that end um so it's just a uh i think i'm in the it's same being. it's a soul it's a soul uh you know, it's a tabula rasa thing. It's um, I'm going to have an empty soul so I can be filled with the Lord. Um, that's what I feel like after I have a stomach bug. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat as you. I'm more of yeah. that in that that. It's like um, when the great spiritual uh, folks in early Christianity and you know Judaism uh, would wander around in the desert um, because they would want to be emptied. You know, they would want to have their soul emptied so it could be filled with the Lord. That's me on a stomach bug. Nice. I'm, I like to think of it as my 40 days and 40 nights in the desert is me um, <laughs> curled up on a bathroom floor. Nice. Shitting. West Texas Mike wants me to vomit for the super chat. Like you got to give more 10 bucks to, first of all, vomit on command. Like that ain't happening. 
Uh, but thank you uh, for that one. Okay, so we made our picks. Uh, we both got uh, Washington, and I took Oregon, and Dave is taking those 16 and a half points and uh, the Liberty Flames or whatever they are called. We are tied. Um, we will not be tied after these two bowls, and potentially if Washington wins, we would have to pick one more. So if one of us is behind and Washington wins, we could – We'll have one more pick uh, to get in there, but uh, good stuff there. Should we do some uh, questions? Yeah, let's wrap this up with some quick questions. Where do we start? Now we for my Christmas favorite Day. part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always death. Okay, our first question is from Ethan. It's UCLA Rock Bottom. Okay. So I'll handle this one. Do you want me to do all the reading today? Yeah, I just do. Uh, I'm like, literally seeing the screen is not great. Yeah, yeah. The... I'll take care of it. Okay. All right. This is from Ethan in Washington, D.C. UCLA rock bottom. Hello, gents. Question for David and I guess Ryan, too, because it somehow touches, it somewhat touches on USC. At this point, is it best for UCLA to hit rock bottom for them to turn it around? And to be clear, I don't mean to ask whether it needs to hit rock bottom because I think we both agree they don't. Rather, at this point, in what you describe as a failed Chip Kelly regime, and given the apathy from the Morgan Center, perhaps the best thing for UCLA football is to go eight and uh, go four and eight next year, and completely start anew, both from a football and a fan perspective. You could look at other schools in the Pac-12, which, by all accounts, have had successful runs the last two-ish years, who had to hit rock bottom to turn it around. Arizona had to go zero and five in the COVID year and lose seventy to seven to get out from under Sumlin, and look where they are now. Washington has gone 0-12 and then survived the Jimmy Lake disaster and now have a team in the CFP. USC dove to the depths under Clay Helton and arrived at a 4-8 and record in 2021, which for USC is rock bottom. That led them to Lincoln Riley, who despite your thoughts on his unwillingness to fire Alex Grinch, has SC on the right trajectory, generally speaking. So again, it was a poor 2024 season, which leads to a clean slate for UCLA football in 2025, maybe not the worst thing in the world. Thanks for all you do. Ethan. Um... Ethan, I think you're 100% right. Um, my Look, I, I think from a fan angle, you got to decide what you're comfortable doing, what you want to root for, all that kind of crap. Um, you know, some people are comfortable rooting for losses. Uh, some people are not. Some people are more like, you know, it's got to be, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan first and I got to root for my team and the whole thing. But um, I think from a – first, there's a real – angle where unless UCLA has a horrible season, is there any guarantee that they're going to fire Chip Kelly? Like, unless it is an abysmal cataclysmic three and nine, four and eight, are they going to fire him? Are they going to fire him if they go six and six? Um, and you might think they should, you might think that's the obvious uh, decision, but uh, they failed on the obvious decision this year. So there's no guarantee they're not going to fail on it again next year. So, um, from a, you know, you want to start a new in 2025. Well, first you have to actually have the prereqs to start a new. Um, and for that to happen, Chip Kelly would need to be fired. And for that to happen, like, how do you guarantee that at this point? Um, it's with a certain amount of losses and it's a certain amount of losses, probably more than six. Um, so I think there's like a lot of, there's a lot of hard stuff that, um, this is something that I kind of, uh, talked about before ASU, uh, this year, but it's the decision-making from an athletic administration should never put fans in a position where they have to think these sorts of thoughts, like where they have to think like, do I want my team to win or do I want them to lose so that they'll be better in the future and I can feel more comfortable watching them win? You know, it's, it's this, 
And it, it sounds very convoluted. And look, let's all take a step back. Sports are insane. Why are we even having this conversation? Like, this is all stupid. Like, who gives a shit? But when we're inside of it, when we're inside of the irrationality of a sports fan, you start to think these thoughts. And it's like, it doesn't really matter who you root for, what happens, because you have no effect on the outcome of the game. But our brains don't think that. Uh, so I, I think when you're talking about like, USC, UCLA's administration has made it a bad experience to be a fan of UCLA football right now. Um, and that's just the, the the long and the short of it. And it's not even really Chip Kelly's fault. He's, you know, either doing his best or he's not. It doesn't really matter. But he's out there doing a specific job. Um, but the people above him, Martin Jarman, whoever, their job is to evaluate that program and make the appropriate decision at the appropriate time. And the thing is, it would have been a bold decision to fire Chip Kelly after 2020. It would have been a bold decision to fire him after 2021. It was the necessary and right and proper time to fire him after this season, fire him in November of this season. And that they didn't is what is causing this like cognitive dissonance in the fan base because you just don't see that. You don't see a coach not fired. The last time that was even like remotely similar was Clay Helton after, what was it, 2019? Which was the year, the first year where they were really bad? 2019, uh, I think it was. I mean, maybe it was 2018, or was that? Whichever one it was. Yeah. But after the season, Lynn Swan had to release a statement saying, we sucked in all these areas, we needed to improve in all these areas. <laughs> and they improved a little bit the next year, so it was like fine. Um, but UCLA is not even acknowledging that it was a bad season. Like They're not even acknowledging that this was subpar and, um, and that it's a bad culmination event for six years of Chip Kelly and all this other stuff that like, it, it, it's it's just making the fan base. Um, I think it makes them crazy. Like uh, it makes you makes you think. Well, okay, none of this matters, and why would I even bother being a fan anymore? And I think the way some fans stay engaged when things are awful is by continuing to watch the team and hoping they lose, which is a horrible way to be a fan. Yeah, it's a horrible experience. But it's a lot of people, and it's how they stay engaged. Um, and I, I don't think you can necessarily denigrate that if they are remaining engaged. But anyway, that's a long convoluted counterpoint, Ethan. You know, <laughs> you got the victory bell back. You beat your rival. You win a major bowl game. You won the bowl game in the most expensive stadium, maybe in the world. Okay, you won a bowl game in that a five billion dollar stadium. That's your last. That's you got like nine months of that to like live off of. So I think you know to, it's only up. Looking for extensions, not firings. I, that's what I'm looking for. <sighs> Something to be said to be winning in the most expensive stadium in the world. So Next I'm just question. saying. Frank in Sacramento. No questions here. I love it when something that is uh, I, I love it when something that is new to most people is old information to me. PBS American Experience did a documentary first aired in 2016 and narrated by the actor Oliver Platt called The Boys of 36. It recounts the tale of the nine University of Washington rowers who found glory at Hitler's Olympics using archival footage as well as interviews with surviving family members of the crew. George Clooney must have seen it as well. There was also a book that um, has been on assigned reading lists for high schools for a long time. So it could have been that too. But yes, thank you, Frank. Thanks All right. Um, oh, we had, here, I'll do a YouTube one real quick. Dog's Life in Portland. Any comments on the catapult investigation? So I was just seeing this on Twitter, I think yesterday. I think Dan Wetzel was talking about it where – you know, it's the it gives you all the data and there's footage from practice for like tells you like if David's running around practice, like how many miles he ran and all this, you know, all his 
data. Well, apparently some school had stole some of that or look at that getting in there. Um, and it wasn't Michigan. Uh, and then a lot of people are insinuating it was Ohio State. Some fake accounts came and said it was Ohio State. Um, any, did you see this at all? Any thoughts on that? Or Nope, don't care. Okay. Sorry, Dog's Life in Portland. I, I just read like what a little bit from Wetzel. He does a good I, job. I read a little bit. Um, it sounds like some other team was getting uh, illicit information. Don't care. It's all part of the game. Okay. <laughs> um, also, you don't need that much information. Like, it's all stupid. Like, Oh, yeah, I need to know how many miles per hour my guy runs. No, time him on a 10-yard dash. That's the only information you need. Never. The, the only thing in, uh, the only thing Catapult is good for, like all the, like, where they wear the little bras on, yes. is um, injury prevention. Like, that's what it's good for. But, like, for scouting purposes, like, if you can't see that guy is fast <laughs> from watching the fucking game, then you've got a problem. You do not need to see that he runs 21.5 miles per hour. Okay. Nice. Anyway, moving on. All right. Uh, we got one last one from Ethan. Uh, the other one was spam and malware. ACC equals butt. Fellas, another question. On a scale from one to butt, how butt is the ACC? I'm not even a Trojan fan, but the fifth slash sixth best team in the Pac-12 with the second coming of Ricky Town at QB <laughs> dominated the ACC's second best team. Should we have known that any team with Jack, Jake the Snake, Plumber as its starting quarterback was going to be butt? Probably, but here we are. Might Stanford slash Cal have a chance next year, Ethan in DC? You're asking the right questions, Ethan. This has been two just banger questions from Ethan because he is asking the right questions. Uh, yes, the ACC is asked, has been asked, and the, everything that you heard about the Pac-12 for the last like five years, oh, the pac 12s horrible, Pac-12 should die, all this other shit. It's the ACC that you should have been saying it about, but they were covered up by like a Clemson umbrella yes and the clemson umbrella masked all of the putrid feces underneath it but there is nothing but feces in that league outside of the clemson like two national titles in three years uh six years ago uh all of it is ass besides that um and yeah they've got florida state now but they've basically exchanged positions clemson and florida state the only two programs with a pulse ever in the last like 15 years of the acc and they basically exchanged. Now Clemson sucks. Florida State's pretty good. One team, and if if the Pac-12 had had USC behaving like USC for the last 10 years, instead of having USC fucking maintain Clay Helton for so long, the Pac-12 would be an ongoing concern, and the ACC would have blown up. The ACC sucks. Cal and Stanford, you're going to be middling, I think, but you're, you're going to be right there in the suck. You're not going to be at the bottom of the suck. You are going to be like mid-tier, maybe even the closer closer to the top of the shit pile under one of Clemson or Florida State. Clemson got a big win uh, against Kentucky yesterday. Um, Miami lost. Uh, you remember, like, don't I don't you know Jack Plummer a year ago threw for over four hundred yards against USC. So, like, literally. So that's why that's another reason we picked USC. Like, well, we saw Jack Plummer against USC last year, and he destroyed them. And he was not a good quarterback, and he destroyed USC. Yep. With like a lot of opt outs and everything. And he did not. Uh, he no, did not destroy no, USC no. this time. Packed Blummer. Um, one that West Texas Black, Mike Black wants Blummer. West Texas Mike wants to know if USC and UCLA should always play in the Rose Bowl and split the tickets 50 50. Why? The Coliseum like and the Rose Bowl are basically the same thing. Like it's just a big ass bowl that's old and. 
They were both. How weird is it that they were both built in like the nineteen twenty, early nineteen twenties, or whatever? Like they're yeah, both I, like a hundred years old. There wasn't like what like hundred thousand seat stadiums weren't like common, and Southern California had two of them in like nineteen twenty three. This is insane. I mean, if you wanted to. Um every year have it at the Rose Bowl and like dictate a time like it's 2 p.m. like the Rose Bowl game or whatever um I'd be cool with that because that's a really cool experience of like you know the the sunset and all that kind of stuff but just to have it there and then it's dictated by television times the same way everything is I mean there's no difference between a noon game at the Rose Bowl and a noon game at the Coliseum you're still gonna sweat your balls off (laughs) And there's no difference between a 7:30 game at the Rose Bowl and the 7:30 game at the Coliseum. You're still going to freeze your balls off. So, um, yeah, no, they're they're two big ass bowls that aren't actually a very pleasant experience to watch a game. John says, "I still feel for Oregon State and Washington State. We both do." Um, and uh, not encouraging seeing what happened to Oregon State in the end, but you know, both programs are going to have to kind of go forward now. They've got their schedule. They got some revenue they've got control of what's left of the conference it's not going to be an easy road but we'll be here to to follow it and uh we'll probably be the most sympathetic towards those two those two programs than anybody else like if cal's just getting you know destroyed by like boston college or something we're like ah you kind of did this to yourself but if oregon state's like losing to nevada and you're like oh that sucks you know exactly um okay well i think it's gonna wrap things huh Let's be done. Yeah, let's be done with this. Uh, we do appreciate everyone uh, tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Um, thank you for the super chats and thanks for uh, just, you know, hanging with us. And if you're listening across the podcast platforms, uh, we do appreciate that as well. Tell your friends. Uh, we got two more games left. Do some recap. We'll do some season recaps. We'll do some deep dives. We'll do all kinds of offseason stuff. It'll be a lot of fun. And we'll continue to cover these 12 teams, uh, at least for the next season. We'll figure out how that all is going. But for David Woods, I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye.